This is the True Real Estate 911 podcast with Lisa True. Lisa will share up-to-date real estate information with you that you need to know. Welcome to True Real Estate 911. It's Brian Mudd along with your local real estate pro, Lisa True, with the latest information on Palm Beach County real estate that you need to know to be fully informed. And also, uh, we got plenty of information about some of the changing conditions that are taking place right now. There are some real opportunities on the luxury end. Uh, We know that season has been busy with the extremely cold winter as well. And also, some of the changing interest rates and some of the thoughts about that as well. Talk about it throughout the course of the show today. Now, as we get going, Lisa, we're going to share the most recent information, which was uh, coming out of 2017 into 2018. How has January been? January has been very strong for our team personally. We've seen great activity on our listings. We've seen amazing interest from primarily the Northeast. However, uh, the Midwest has been really strong for us. It's one of the areas where we've been marketing in the Illinois, Indiana kind of corridor because of their tax issue that is going on there and the mass exodus going from Chicago from the luxury market. So we've actually been very encouraged with the activity personally. Um, some of the the numbers I think we'll see next month from January statistics is still a bit of a challenge because inventory in the luxury market just continues to build. And we'll talk about that here in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, Lisa, you had mentioned uh, you know, some of the tax considerations of the state. So we do have tax reform. And uh, you know, for the average person, that's going to end up being a pretty good deal. But for many people, uh, it, it does create a different reality for them, especially on the upper income side, uh, because we are going to see you know, many people that are maybe not going to be able to take advantage of itemization the way they had before, as you're talking about in those higher uh, tax states because of the cap on the state and local taxes. And so you've actually seen some tax strategy playing out in in terms of the approach to purchasing real estate. Yes, we're seeing a lot of activity with 1031 exchanges. We're also seeing a lot of calls from New Jersey right now, Connecticut right now for us. And part of the reason is number one, let's face it, weather. We're hearing a lot of... um, White flags. I give up. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I remember it. It was for us. uh, It was the decision was made. We didn't make the move, but the decision was made at uh, the blizzard of 1978. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is another one of those kind of years that people will talk about in the Northeast. Yeah, you're right. And it's been brutally cold and snow. and, And I think many are just saying enough is enough. And you put on top of that the financial impacts with what was already a high taxation. I mean, the Northeast, with the exception of maybe Chicago, which um, you know pulled uh, Illinois consistently, usually number one in the highest tax uh, issue, the Northeast really, you know, they're always in the, the top 10, right? All the, the different states of the Northeast. I heard somebody uh, from California, actually, it was, yeah, within the last week, I was talking to him, and he said he's uh, seriously considering moving uh, from Los Angeles to South Florida um, because of the tax thing. Yes, in California, same thing. And, of course, California has, um, you know, their natural disasters that are going on, which is once again causing many of them to say, okay, is it time to kind of look at other options? So what could be a challenge for some of those states really is, I think, is going to be a great opportunity for, for us. And then we have been doing a deeper analysis, taking it just from resort areas to even some of the major cities like Tokyo, looking also at 
Bangkok. I mean, just looking at some of the more uh, city-type destinations where luxury real estate happens and doing the comparison, I am just amazed at what amazing values South Florida has. And so, you know, we're getting that word out. We're reaching out to the luxury. Um, Chris True was just in Dubai looking at building some relationships. I think Dubai is an awesome opportunity, especially now that Emirates comes right into Fort Lauderdale. And so I think there's some great opportunities internationally. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that we don't have our real estate challenges down here. And so you just have to have everything right. And I'm seeing a lot of people doing it really well and a lot of people that are just missing the opportunity. And what all this ends up meaning to you, you know, the Troes, they are able to market their listings to these individuals that are over in these locations in a way that they are being positioned uh, otherwise in, in South Florida and generally in the state. So it's all part of that next level of the approach that the uh, the True Group brings to the table. And as we are taking a look at the most recent information for uh, Palm Beach County Real Estate, it looks like we really finished with some pretty strong numbers everywhere except for on that luxury end in uh, 2017. Uh, give us a little bit of the overview and what we're seeing here. And, you know, the headline thing, you, you see median sales prices up 8.4%. Uh, that certainly is a, a pretty strong number to end the year. It is. We're really happy with that number. We're seeing... Um you know, the cash number decline a little, but still strong amount of cash. And what we're seeing in January, just to kind of update that, there's more cash we're seeing, probably the most I've seen since the last three years. Um, our closings were down a little bit. That was expected. You know, we forecast kind of what's coming based on what was in, in pending activity. One of the nice things about our pendings in December is that pendings were uh, just up a pinch. And so often, you know, we kind of forecast what's coming with closings based on the pending activity. So year over year, our pending activity was very similar, which was wonderful. And our listing inventory held very true uh, to what we did last year as well. The, the difference is when you break it down by price point, um, we are seeing inventory building in that luxury market as we've talked about. And that's really kind of the the opportunity for the buyers and the challenge for the sellers in the current market. So with single family homes, you know, you're talking about that. You you take a look at the overall median sales price and on that eight point four percent increase at three hundred and forty one thousand five hundred dollars, actually the highest since prior to the recession. And so we see, you know, really good activity. And on that those numbers in particular, the year over year increase and then also the median sales price to end the year on high points, uh, you know, is a really strong indication. But as you've been talking about uh, in Apple. So uh, for uh, basically a couple of years now, the tale of multiple markets and often three or more markets in, in our real estate, you, you have that more affordable and that's been doing well. And, and then by the time you get to that luxury side, it, it's cooler. One of the more telling numbers here, first, I, I took a look at the closed sales in December on million dollar plus listings. I was like 16% increase. Well, that's terrific. And then I take a look at the uh, pending or the, uh, the new listings. That was up 31 and a half percent. Oh, not good. So even in a month where we saw a nice increase in million dollar plus sales, um, we only had 86 million dollar plus listings that closed in December, and we had 213 uh, you know days on market for the average one. And and so you start putting some of this stuff together, and there's some real issues um, on, on the luxury end, even when we're seeing improvement in activity. 
Yes, and you know we've we've been working with buyers in this price range, and what I will tell you is often they're underrepresented, they're undermarketed, and their um, pricing is off. And one of the things with working with a, a million to two million dollar buyer this past week, what we've noticed is there's a lot of choices. Now we knew that the numbers said that, right? And yet when you get out there and you start putting in the criteria of what they're looking for. You know, many of the areas are, there's new construction you're competing with. Um, There's some beautiful, brand new, new construction communities that are very attractive to that luxury buyer because the trends are modern. If you updated your kitchen five or six years ago, that's great. However, the trends have changed. And so your kitchen, even though it is beautiful, it's not on point for today's, I would say, trend. And so the challenge comes that when a buyer's spending one to two million dollars, they walk in and they see what they're seeing on TV today many times. They're like, wow, I, I like this. So you're not only competing with this, the numbers here, new construction is not even taken into account into these numbers. And so it is an absolute challenge of getting that formula right. And one of the reasons why we get business and one of the reasons why we don't are the exact same reason we tell people the truth and we give advice now ultimately it's not our home we can't make you follow the formula and but the ones that follow it and follow it and take the advice and implement it quickly really do win and if you think of it this way if you have a stock and the stock starts to fall and it's falling, not just because of a little market blip, right? Yeah, fundamental reasons. But if that stock is falling, who does best? The Not the person that's holding it. <laughs> the guy who gets out first or the gal who sells it first, right, gets the most money. Period. End of story. Yep. And we've seen this time and time and time again, not just in the luxury market, but in the condo market. The condo market's another challenge because, you know, we're talking single family homes here. The condo market depending on where the condo is and the price point, it's certainly, and here's the other thing, how much your your fees are. Oh, yeah. Right? Some of these fees are just crazy. You know, and one of the, it's something I've been impressed with. We've talked about this, not to, to divert you from your, your bigger point here, but, it, you know, we've talked a lot with, uh, you know, about millennials, first-time homebuyers and the like, and a lot of these uh, prices that you're talking about with these condos, I know that's a lot of the, the potential uh, buying pool there. I am endlessly impressed with how much more aware they are of things than, than perhaps my generation. You know, a lot of Xers didn't ask about HOA dues and the like until they'd already closed on a property, and then there were some oh-no kind of moments that might come out of that type of thing. Sure. Anymore, man, I, I tell you, you know, most of the millennials I come across that are serious about making you know, big transactions like this, they ask those questions up front. They are keenly aware, and they want to know taxes. They want to know what HOA dues are all in picture, and including insurance in a way that maybe even – many sellers hadn't considered themselves. Yeah, and they're also wanting to know things like reserves and what is the history with special assessments. And it's one of the reasons I get a lot of calls from people calling to sell their their condo. And the reason that they sell, they're calling to sell, and many of them have purchased in the last year, which is really sad, right? They purchased with another agent. They There's two reasons. One, the community wasn't a fit. Mm, okay. Okay. So they bought a property, not a lifestyle. Yes. And then they realized all the things I love to do aren't here or all the things I don't want to pay for that I don't do are here. 
And then the second thing is they had no idea the lack of control you have over things like special assessments. Oh, yeah. When you have a home, a single family home where you maintain, obviously you decide what gets done when. If all of a sudden everybody wants to redo the lobby, guess what? It happens. It happens. And you're writing a check whether you love the lobby as it is or not. If you don't want to change the floors in your house, you don't have to. So it's it's one of the things especially new condo owners really need to understand. There are many pros to owning a condo. And there are challenges that you need to know that this is just part of it. This is what goes with it. And so that condo buyer, many times, like you said, the younger they are, I think the more they have, they research, mm-hmm. which is not what people think. They think they're just, you know, flying by the seat. Yeah, they're really they're not. not. They're really not. They're much more conservative, certainly than than both of our generations. Yep. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that was the product of coming of age during the recession and the time thereafter. And so, yeah, you know, you, it's so important that you're on point with all these different things because the, the total cost of ownership, I, I do think, matters more. And, you know, when you're taking a look at uh, what we had, so, you know, the we continue to see that the luxury market is weak. You're talking about condos. There being some weakness there. Um, it really sounds like it is very much a specific market. And we've always had that in the Palm Beach just because we've got everything from Palm Beach and Jupiter Island to the Glades, and we've got everything from the equestrian lifestyle to the beach lifestyle and whatever you're looking for. Uh, but it, even within subsex, it, it sounds like right now it is very much a as specific of a market as we've had since the real estate recovery. Yes. We're really happy kind of where we're going in general with the market. And yet, I will tell you, Steve and I are looking at all the trends out there, and there are neighborhoods that, based on inventory build, that if people want to sell in the next two to five years, they need to get really, really serious. What concern do you have, if any, about uh, mortgage rates? Last week, we ended up hitting the, a four-year high in mortgage rate, still exceptionally low historically at uh, around 4.5% a shade under. Uh, but you know, we know that historically, a 30-year fix with a good credit runs you north of 8%. Um, and if we have a good sustained economy for, for the next year, we could seriously be looking at that over the next 18 months. We could. And I think we're fine until we start talking numbers of fives. Okay. Uh, when we start getting in the fives now, there are people that are very borderline in their their approvals and it's one of the things we're looking at is especially if they have an older pre-approval we're wanting them re-pre-approved with current rates making sure that the ratios make sense Um, in evaluating which buyer deals we take on our listings we're Mm -hmm. looking at who did the pre-approval it really matters Um, if it's wells fargo we're not encouraging <laughs> the seller to take that deal until another known lender with a solid reputation approves that buyer. And, um, you know, I, I wish I didn't have to say that, but that's the truth. And there are many other... Don't even get me started. I know. And there are many <laughs> others out there that fall into that same criteria. And we're wanting somebody that has that really pre-approves the buyer, not pre-quals. If it's a pre-qualification, we're not taking it. And they put the word pre-approved on it. It's not a pre-approval. I want somebody who has supplied tax returns. One of our favorite things is when we we start working with a new buyer and they've already been pre-approved, we look at the pre-approval and know it's really a, a pre-qualification. And 
when our lender speaks to them, they say, well, the last lender didn't need all this uh, because you didn't yeah. have a pre-approval. Yeah, right? I can tell you this right now. If you did something online and in five or ten minutes they spit back a letter saying your pre-whatever um, ain't what you need. <laughs> it's not. And in a competitive market, you really – you must. It is one of the decision-making processes of which deal gets taken is, you know, it's part of a, a formula of, okay, and whether an agent realizes it or not, it is part of the decision making. And it's also how you use that great quality pre-approval because our lenders, many times, if it's tight, we will ca- have them call and talk to that agent and tell them, look, here's what I've done. These people are good. You can take this deal to the bank because, you know, if we've got two offers, we want to give our clients that competitive advantage. It's one of the differences of that going above and beyond when you have a buyer's agent versus a transaction broker and having somebody that knows how to put that deal together and capitalize on many of the opportunities out there or help you win in a challenging seller's price point. Because there still are seller's markets where you have multiple offers out there. And reading between the lines a little bit with what you said there, uh, it almost sounds like a precursor. Are you seeing that there's an increase in fall-through rates right now as mortgage rates are moving on the upside? I think that the deals that are falling through should have never been put together to begin with. And gratefully, knock on some wood, we we are not having fall-through issues right now. Good. Um, are there fall-through issues? Absolutely. And I think you're going to see that as long as you have people that are doing, on average, four deals a year, which is the National Association of Realtors statistic. The average agent sells four homes a year. And I'm doing a deal with a great agent right now. And you know what? I, I went into the team and said to them, Uh, yesterday, I said, you know, this is like the way real estate used to be. Agents used to be nice and friendly and professional and on the ball. I mean, she's doing things ahead of time. She's communicating. And it's such a pleasure. It's it's too bad that's the exception. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, that's our new 2018 standard. And if I have, uh, I had an agent who presented an offer who wasn't exceptionally friendly yesterday or professional, in my opinion. And the reality is, you're not going to bully my client. Just doesn't happen. And I'm like, I said to him, you know, we are not doing, we don't do business this way. We're going to have, in 2018, happy deals. And if you can get happy, <laughs> then let's do a deal, right? And I just think it's part of that life's too short. And it isn't impossible. Um, I can name... 40 agents that when I see their name, I'm excited to see their name. And I want to add 40 more to that and 40 more to that because this is hard enough as it is. Agents don't need to be part of the problem. Well, and on that note, the truths, they're always here to help you with happy deals or happy information as the case may be. But, uh, well, even if the information you need to know isn't the happiest, you're going to get the real news that you need. And uh, the truth is there for you seven days a week. If you're not already at truerealestate911.com, go there. Uh, Best local resource you're going to find for real estate. And if you are looking to talk to the truths seven days a week, call 561-972-8326. 561-972-8326. 